0: Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're gonna share the Near Death Experience of Kim from uh, Nderf.org. And Kim says, I was in an urgent care clinic receiving a PIC IV line. The line was inserted and the nurse went to radiology to confirm the placement of the line. I had just come back from X-ray and told the technician I was dizzy and not feeling well. No one was in the patient room when I started to go into shock because I was allergic to the pick line because it was made from latex. I became very dizzy and had to lie down on the examination table. I started to feel weak, and it became hard to form words. I could hear everyone around me uh, trying different procedures to bring me back. I realized I was not in my body, but seemed to be in an area that is parallel to ours. When I jumped to this parallel universe, I was able to be at one place but observe the language of the clinical staff trying, to, trying different ways to get me to respond. I was at a place that had unlimited light. There were no landmarks. This light was white and all-encompassing. My body was absorbed into the light. I felt surrounded by people. Some I knew, others I did not know. One voice of someone I did not recognize was talking to me. As they talked, I felt my body had left and my soul was here. I felt the most serene contentment I had ever felt in my life. I live with constant pain from my body. I did not feel my body. I felt no pain. The voice asked me if I wanted to stay. I said, yes, for it was the most comforting place I had ever been. Then different voices welcomed me to this place. Then I heard my deceased father ask me if I thought I had done everything I wanted to do back where my body was. I remember considering his this request. I realized at that point that if I said yes, I would be stuck here. I also became aware that this place was a stepping stone to some place even bigger than this. Everyone said they wanted me to stay. At this point, I heard my husband calling my name. He kept repeating my name and saying, Wake up, Kim! I ignored his request because of the all-consuming delight that I had finally gone someplace where there is no pain, where I felt such joy, and contentment. I did not want to go back. Then the voice of my father said, I had to make a decision. I started to search my thoughts as to why I should stay here and why I should return to earth. I heard my father say that there was much work still to be done with my family. Suddenly I realized I did not want to stay here. I tried to pull away from this warm, white-lighted universe where where all pain was gone, where waves of contentment and love surged all around me. I told my father I wanted to come back. At this point, I was back on the examination table, hearing my husband calling me to wake up. I struggled to wake. I then realized the other universe did not want me to go and there began a pull there began a pull between that universe and my husband calling i kept saying i want to come back and feeling the others saying we want you to stay the struggle seemed to go on for a while however i had no sense of time i returned to my body with a slam like i was thrown into myself i immediately started to throw up mass quantities of mucus Later, it was told me that uh, at least two pints of mucus left my body. I woke from the lethargic struggle, feeling my body, body's pains and understanding immediately the choice I had just made. The treatment team was so excited to have me awake that no one asked any questions of me. I was taken by ambulance to the hospital, which is 20 minutes away from the clinic, During the ambulance ride, I was thinking about the white light lighted place and I suddenly returned to it. I again felt this all-encompassing warmth and contentment such as my life had never known. I struggled to return and once again, I was slammed into my body just in time to see one of the ambulance team hovering over me with two heart paddles in his hand. They were getting ready to revive me by electric jolting my body. In the emergency room, they drugged me because I was struggling on the table so much. I do not remember even going into the emergency room. I later accounted to my husband what had happened to me and asked him to tell his side of the story. I told him at times I was not in my body. He told or he believed that that He believed that had he not been there calling my name, they would have lost me. I realized that this was true. I would have gladly stayed in the white light, feeling the warm energy surging through my body, where pain no longer exists, just the love and contentment. Interesting. Okay, so the first thing I want to point out here that I find interesting is that last point that was made. That because her husband was there at her side, at the side of her body, calling her to come back, that's what she heard, and that's what created the uh, resistance to staying on the other side, that she probably would have stayed, she says. She says, I would have gladly stayed with the light, Um, except that she heard him calling, realized she still had a family that she wanted to take care of that she needed to take care of and you know her father seems to have been kind of hinting at that you know that it is her choice but uh but he does say there's much work still to be done with your family and that's that kind of helped her not want to stay also but the point that i think is interesting is that her husband being at her side saying please come back come back or wake up i think it's is the wording that she used. But if he had not been there, she might not have started that struggle of deciding, ooh, maybe I should go back. And probably never would have have come back. The, uh, the love and the uh, comfort and the warmth was just too inviting. But because of his calling, she, she stopped and thought about it and, and decided she did want to go back. So if you're ever at the bedside of a loved one who is out of it, so to speak, if they, you know, ready with the paddles or whatever, you know, or maybe they're just in a coma or, you know, struggling to wake up or whatever, don't assume that they have no idea you're not there or that they have no idea you're there. Don't assume they don't know. And don't assume that anything that you say to them Will not be heard because there's a very good chance that they will be heard. And, you know, even if they wake up and don't remember hearing anything from you, it's possible they had a near death experience and they don't remember any of it. In fact, most people who have had near death experiences don't remember them right away, or at least uh, it, I, I'm going to say around 50%. That's just, I'm just throwing that number out there, but my guess based on things I've read, most people don't remember it immediately. Or not everybody remembers it immediately, but they remember it, you know, a short time later. Sometimes a long time later. But uh, the point is, is that uh, if you have somebody there and, you know, if and be sensitive. Because if it is their time, if, if they're your old grandma and her husband has already died and you just know you're going to miss her, but uh, it's a selfish, and selfish is a, a rough word to put with love, I guess, because you love her so much. But if it's a selfish (laughs) desire for her to stay, then maybe consider saying rather than, than, you know, come back or wake up, say, Grandma, we love you. We just want you to know that whether you stay or whether you go, we are, we love you and we accept your decision, and we will support you. Something like that. Or even saying, it's okay to go. It's okay to to go into that wonderful place that's calling out to you. That's okay. And that can sometimes give them... Because, I mean, I remember hearing about my great-grandpa when he died, and he was holding on a long time there at the end. He was sick, and, and they knew it was time, but he was taking a long time. And they kind of asked him, you know, what what are you still holding on for? And he says, I just don't want to hurt anybody. And, and they kind of had to tell him, it's okay. It's okay. We love you. We're going to miss you. But you can go on. It's okay. And just, I mean, within, within a half hour or so, he died after that. So there may be comfort in hearing that it's okay to go. But if, you know, like this situation where it looks like there's probably much for them to live for, asking them, please come back. Please stay. It's okay. And you can, you could even go so far as saying, look, if you need to stay on the other side, I understand, but we really, really could use you back here. (laughs) You know, something to that effect. So they understand that, you know, you're not going to feel betrayed if they leave. And that's kind of hard because, I mean... Let's face it, sometimes people do feel betrayed when somebody dies. And it may not be any choice on the person who's dying. They may not have had any option to come back. You know, most people who die don't come back. And uh and I suspect that most of them were not given a given a choice. They're say I'm sorry, your time is up, your body's dead. And and so um you know, it's not very fair for us as, as the people behind to be angry with them. And yet sometimes we are. It's kind of like survivor's guilt. It's just something that happens. It's a natural reaction that the body has, that the physical body and the mind and the psyche have to loss. And though we, you know, though that sometimes will happen, we don't need to feed it. And we also don't need to allow ourselves, you know, because knowing these things about near-death experiences, we may know that it's very possible that they were on the other side and heard our thoughts saying, please come back, and chose not to come back anyway. And that makes it even harder for us to say, you know, how could you do this? Make it harder for us not to say, how could you leave me like this? Because, you know, we... I mean, everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to die. And if your time comes, then your time comes. And it's not fair to be bitter, but sometimes it does happen. But recognizing as individuals, if you're hurting because somebody has died, don't blame them for that. That's not fair. That's not fair. And yes, we all have a level of selfishness that uh, says, says, but I want them to stay. I need them. I need them here. But if they went, then you don't need them. In fact, often it's probably that it's time for you to move on without them. There's some growth that you need to do that you can't do with them. That's often, I think, the case. I have also heard it said that um, with every death of a loved one, a gift is left behind. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's true. But it seems, if you start looking at those you've lost and the changes that took place in your life and the things that, the interests that you had or the gifts that you developed, the skills that you worked on, the uh, the insights that you had after the person's death, if you pay attention, you may notice that some that those gifts often come a short time after a person dies. Sometimes instantly, but often it's, you know, with time. And uh, I've heard it said that every time a person dies that is close to you, they leave something for you in return. And that's going to be different for every person. I don't know what it might be. It might be a spiritual gift, as we might consider some after effects of near-death experience type of things. It may be signs, uh, you know, seeing a certain kind of bird in a certain kind of setting that reminds you that they're there it may be it may be a skill or or an ability that you didn't have an interest in art or you know music or whatever you know there there's all kinds of things that that seem to take place when people die That uh, that it's worth noting it's worth noting it's you know and if you can't think of anything it's okay it's okay if nothing else it may be just the growth of having to have gone through loving the person, missing the person, having your heart break with their death, and then being able to move on. I mean, that is a gift. It's a hard one. It's a hard gift, but it's a gift. And in other cases, there may be multiple gifts that come to you at the death of a loved one. Anyway, um, so the, the point that I wanted to make from that was that, that there's a good chance that your loved one can hear you. And honestly, from what I can understand from these things, even well after their death, it can be years later, if you speak to them, chances are they can hear you and they understand what you're saying to them. So, that that I think is the biggest point that I wanted to make from this near-death experience. Another one that I did want to mention, though, and this is interesting and unique. You know, I have heard it uh, occasionally, um, someone dying, being on the other side, and being in the presence of someone, and them saying, "It's your time. It's time to come back." And and them saying, "No, I want to go back. I want to go back." And uh, obviously, they always are able to come back in that situation because we don't have the accounts of those who haven't come back. <laughs> there, it may happen all the time. I don't know, but uh, but we, of the accounts that we have of people have come back, many of them had to kind of argue with the person. But this is one of the first ones where it's like everybody is arguing with them, except for the main person that she's speaking to, which is her grandfather. or I mean, sorry, her father, who is saying there's more work to be done with your family, but it's your choice. Everybody else, though, this is what's interesting, is is saying, no, stay, stay with us, stay with us. And feeling this pull, um, she says, I kept saying, I want to go back. And feeling the others saying, we want you to stay. And the struggle seemed to go on for a while. However, I had no sense of time. Now, we don't have to think of this as a fearful thing that you might see in a frightening movie where somebody dies and, And, you know, these hands are reaching out from, you know, the sides of a tunnel saying, come with us. You know, I mean, it's (laughs) we're not talking that kind of thing. This is a place she wanted to be and she felt drawn to. And the people, she felt like she knew them and loved them. They're saying, it's okay. Come on, come with us. And, uh, you know, stay. And we want you to feel this love. But she feels this sense of purpose in going back, which is interesting which is interesting and also reflects to me. And this is a point that I think is worth making because sometimes we, ta- you know, when you read these near death experiences, especially as you first start studying them, you start thinking whatever somebody told you on the other side is like your destiny or your purpose, your, you know, this is the facts of how it goes. And I mean clearly these other people who are asking her to stay have a different mindset or a different thing that they're asking of her than what she is feeling herself like she should do. What her heart is pulling her to do, to go back, to be with her family. Even her father is saying there's more work still to be done with your family. So these other loved ones, these are angels of of some sort who are probably other people that she knew, either from life or from um, life before uh, coming to earth. And you know, they're saying, you should come with us. And then she's saying, no, I got to go back. So to say that anything anybody tells you on the other side, it's as if God himself is commanding you to do that thing. That's just not a fair way of putting it. That's just not fair because there are differing opinions and differing, you know, uh, requests on the other side. So just because someone is told, you know, when you go back, you need to do this. I, I, it's probably the case that they need to do that. But it may be that that's what they would suggest. And maybe there's somebody else that they wouldn't. Maybe I'm drawing too much out of that. But I think that's worth noting, especially when there are different people that they meet and there are different emphasis uh, and emphases <laughs> that are given by the different beings that they come across. And so, you still, even with things that you're told by people on the other side of the veil, you still have to follow your heart, you still have to pray and ask for God's guidance, and you still have to follow your own path. Because even those on the other side of the veil may not, it's not that they don't have your best interest in mind, they certainly probably do, but they're going to have differing opinions about what that means. So, if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash NDEcast. There's also a link to that uh, URL on neardeathexperiencepodcast.org, which is our homepage. If you would like to, you can, oh, and, and there you will be able to, you can um, become an ongoing monthly uh, contributor um, at any amount that you choose to, to contribute. Also, if you would like to contact the podcast with your own near-death experience or with a question or a comment, you can do that by emailing near experience podcast at gmail.com or by calling 970-NDECAST. And thank you again, all of you, so much for listening. Oh,